Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Gransom. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. This week we're reporting from the first big farming event of the year, the Oxford Farming Conference, and we're hearing about a Lincolnshire group for women in agriculture. It's an organisation set up for women in farming and rural areas to help find their flock. 2024 sees some big anniversaries being celebrated and we'll hear about a new sustainability scholarship programme. We have secured funding and we're seeking funding to support innovative thinking that will help transition the movement of farming and agriculture towards more sustainable farming models uh, at pace and scale. Plus take our first look of the year at the livestock and grain markets and get the weather for the week ahead. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello and a very happy new year. I'm Steve Orchard. Hope you had a great Christmas and possibly a well-earned break. If only. In the news this week, well, the weather continues to dominate with more flooding on top of already sodden fields. Some awful, distressing videos being shared on social media. It does look to be better, drier and calmer this week. We'll have the forecast at the end of the programme. But if you're affected, our thoughts are with you. In news described by the National Pig Association as deeply worrying, large quantities of imported meat have been seized by Dover Port Authority. 57 tonnes of illegally imported pig meat were seized in 2022, including 5.5 tonnes over the weekend before Christmas alone. That's according to an update on the port's progress in battling African swine fever. Current rules introduced in 2022 make it illegal for travellers to bring pork products weighing over two kilograms into the country from the EU unless produced to the bloc's commercial standards. Beverly Edmondson, Port Health Manager at Dover District Council and Port Health Authority, said it could be just the tip of the iceberg. How much more comes in undetected? A gang of thieves who stole nearly a million pounds worth of agricultural equipment, much of it from Nottinghamshire and Lincolnshire, spent Christmas behind bars and will for a while longer, having received sentences totalling 12 years and four months. Detectives from East Midlands forces linked 65 offences, then carried out synchronised early morning raids to arrest the six men. Good to hear. And congratulations to Lincolnshire farmer and LEAF chairman Philip Wynne, who's been made an OBE in the New Year's Honours for services to farming and the environment. Philip's career spans over 50 years, having managed and advised businesses in nearly every sector of agriculture, including running the Neville Estate in Lincolnshire, one of LEAF's first demonstration farms. He's also a director of Dyson Farming and took over as LEAF chairman in 2017. Lincolnshire Young Farmers, Lincolnshire Rural Support Network and the Farm Safety Foundation all celebrate big anniversaries in 2024. The biggest of which is 50 years of young farmers in Lincolnshire. And over Christmas, I got the thoughts on this from County Chair Rosie Finney. Uh, in 2024, it will be our um, 50th anniversary. So uh, from the County AGM in July, it's our 50th year. So we're going to have lots of stuff planned for that. We're going to have a big 50th anniversary ball we have got so many competitions lined up um, starting with speaking competitions in the first couple of weeks of January which everyone is busy practicing for um, all our normal competitions and of course then leading up to the main part of the year uh, in sort of May June where we've got our rally which we're still planning at the minute and then quickly on to link show 
where we seem to have the most crazy two days ever. And we'll have our decorated trailers again this year. Bail rolling, our big stand, water fight, tug of war, everything's going on. So it's going to be a great year, definitely. Staying local, LRSN, the Lincolnshire Rural Support Network, is also celebrating in 2024 an amazing 25 years of providing advice and support to the rural community. Charity manager Amy Thomas, what do you plan to do to celebrate? So we have a really exciting 2024 ahead of us because we're celebrating 25 years of LRSN, which is just astounding, really. Um, So we're going to be doing lots of different things to celebrate our 25th year, including uh, lots of events. We want to try and bring people together socially, give people the opportunity to make connections and, and sort of form supportive relationships, really as well as spreading the word about what we do and hopefully raising some funds along the way. So we're kicking that off in January around Farmhouse Breakfast Week and we're going to be doing some free breakfasts at our markets uh, as part of our health clinics. So we'll be in Louth at the market there on the 15th of January, Spalding on the 17th of January and at Melton on the 24th of January uh, where you can pop in and have a chat with a nurse, find out more about what they do and have the opportunity to have a free breakfast with them. So that that will be exciting. Um, And that's just the start of, of, uh, you know, a lot lot of events and activities that will celebrate 25 years. The Farm Safety Foundation is the youngster of our three organisations celebrating a major milestone in 2024, but still a fantastic 10 years for Yellow Wellies. Stephanie Barkley is their manager. Good morning, Stephanie, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Steve. Are we still able to say that? (laughs) Oh, definitely. We'll be saying that for weeks and we'll still be writing things with the wrong date on, no doubt, for for weeks to come, won't we? Um, This year, 2024 marks an anniversary for the Farm Safety Foundation. Ten years. Yes, we were set up as an independent charity by NFU Mutual and told to go off and make farming safer and better. They had a really strong vision when they set us up. They wanted us to preserve and protect the physical and mental well-being of the next generation of farmers. And if you think about it, 10 years ago, people weren't really talking about mental health in connection to farming, you know, and now they seem to go hand in hand. And we're delighted that that is the case. You've made an awful lot of progress over the years. But for those, the odd one or two around the country that might not know what the Farm Safety Foundation does, you're there to promote safety on farms you're there to promote um, improvements in mental health how do you actually do that what do you actually do well the way we go about things is we're almost like a friendly reminder we are definitely not the type of people that say farmers must do this farmers must do that there's enough people telling farmers what they have to do so we basically go around right throughout the UK and we deliver training at all the land-based colleges and universities that are doing agricultural uh, courses and through the Young Farmers Club network. And we've trained 25,000 young farmers in this way over the last 10 years. We also attend shows. We go to major events like last week's Oxford Farming Conference. You know, we go to the Lincolnshire show, things like that. We're out there getting face to face with farmers. We want to see the whites of their eyes. We want to make friends. And that's what engagement's all about. We also conduct a lot of research. We want to know what farmers think, how they feel, why they behave the way they behave. So that will hopefully help us to create those messages that can be delivered in a way that farmers want to receive them. So you may not know the Farm Safety Foundation, but you might know Yellow Wellies. 
and that's our logo. So we don't care what people call us as long as they call us. Farm safety is something that we all want to be improving. We've got the worst safety record of any occupation. We don't want to have the worst safety record. We want people to come home safely at the end of the day. And if we can deliver a gentle reminder to people about the importance of keeping themselves safe, then that's what we can do. Why do you think we've got this bad safety record? Is it because a lot of the time farmers out there on their own, there's no, like in a factory, you've got a proper supervisory structure and this kind of thing. Farmers tend to be out there on their own. They just kind of get on with it. And maybe they don't pay quite as much attention to their own safety as they ought to. Well, put it like this, you know, if you're working in a factory, you're not in charge of the factory. You're not in charge of all the machines. You're not in charge of the electricity. You're not in charge of all the other people working there. You start the job at nine o'clock. You finish the job at five. Farmers don't. Farmers out there and he's a vet. He's a chemist. He's the personnel manager. He is the accountant. He is everything on that farm. He's the most important thing on the farm. But unfortunately, many farmers put their safety write down that list of priorities and the farm doesn't function without them. So there are so many things that farmers face every day. And let's be honest, we have just had the eighth name storm in, since the 25th of September. So we have fields that are flooded, crops that are destroyed. We have got animals that are in danger and all those power cuts as a result of the storms we've had. If you have a power cut, your electricity's not going. You can't milk the cows. You can't keep the fridges running. And there is this tendency, isn't it, to just get on with it and, as you say, put safety down the bottom of the list a little bit because stuff's got to be done. And that ties in really with the mental health aspect as well, doesn't it? Because, again, we just get on with it on our own an awful lot of the time. That's not a good environment for the best mental health, is it? No, it's not really. But also it can be because they're in the fresh air and they are enjoying, you know, the beautiful countryside that we have. But that countryside can be very lonely if they've got nobody else working with them. If they have those stresses and pressures that they have from those external factors that actually they can't control. They can't control the weather. They can't control the food prices. They can't control all of those things that farmers have been talking about, thankfully, and more openly over the last couple of years that actually, you know, we are struggling and we do need help. So this is the thing that we want to make sure that people know that there are people out there that can help them, you know, and if it's a case of coming to us, we can we know the people, you know, we we can get them in contact with Rabbi, with Farming Community Network, with the Addington Fund, you know, with Yana, all those wonderful charities that are out there that can support farmers that know what they're going through and can empathise really honestly with them. And the, the sort of common expressions nowadays are, it's okay not to be okay and it's good to talk. And the talking bit is the first step, isn't it? Acknowledging maybe, I'm not feeling all that good about myself. Where can I go? Exactly. I mean, we all have mental health. We all have physical health. Happy enough to talk about it when we've got cold or man flu or whatever. And I know it's probably an awful thing because it doesn't actually exist. But man you know, flu is very got... real, I'll have you know. <laughs> <laughs> but if you've got COVID, you'll talk about it and people will be feeling sorry for you. But actually, if you've got poor mental health, people don't often admit, you know what, I'm not feeling great at the minute. And these two things go hand in hand because they're all part of the wonderful thing that is the human body. 
you know, and and the good thing is that there is more of a tendency for people to do to talk about it. And things like our Mind Your Head campaign that we're doing next month has helped tackle that self-imposed stigma because I think there's less society stigma around mental health because people are talking about it more openly. But actually, when it comes to that self-imposed stigma, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of bravery, actually, to admit that they might need help, that they're not feeling great. And, you know, I know and I respect myself as a human being that I'm not going to be working at 100 percent. And by the way, if you're not working at 100 percent and you're not sleeping well, your concentration levels are down. Think about how dangerous that is when we're dealing with animals, when we're dealing with tractors and all of the things that farmers face every day on the farm anyway. These things do all tie together, don't they? And and talking mind your head, we'll talk about that in a week or two when we get a little bit closer. But that's one of many achievements over the last 10 years for the Farm Safety Foundation. Oh, do you know what? I wish that we didn't need to be (laughs) in existence But as long as we continue to have a poor safety record, as long as we are continually having farmers struggling with their mental health, then that's as long as we will continue to be in existence. Yeah, we've we've created two fantastic campaigns, Mind Your Head and um, Farm Safety Week. And they are like weeks in the year where the entire farming industry work together under the one voice, you know, to share those messages that we do care about each other, that we do value the importance of what we produce. Remember, no farmers, no food. We know that. But what is the farmer doing to make sure that we get food in the plate? What risks are they putting themselves under? What pressures are they, you know, experiencing? And we need to remind the general public that, that actually they are the most important profession no offense to doctors or anything but without farmers we don't eat you know so it's an important thing for us to do when we're mentioned in in parliament using our stats from our research that makes us proud when we see the number of young farmers under the age of 40 decrease the numbers of them losing their lives decreasing over the past 10 years that's an achievement but you know still when we lose 21 farm workers going to work that's 21 families they're not stats they're people there's still a lot of work to do obviously what about plans going forward you've had a cracking 10 years and a very very busy and productive 10 years let's look forward now what what's uh, the farm safety foundation for the next 10 years okay so we're going to keep working we're going to keep growing we're going to keep training the next generation of farmers so that they will start to drive those good behaviors into the industry so that those people that start their journey into agriculture will start it with a really good approach to keeping themselves and everybody around them safe and well. We're also this year, what we're doing is we have got four farm safety champions, which are probably four people that nobody's ever heard of. And we're going to follow their journey this year and their commitment to working safely and to keeping themselves safe and the improvements they're going to make. We have a big conference planned for May where we want to bring farmers and stakeholders, as in people that have actually got influence in the industry as well, that will drive governance and policy and practice. We want to bring them under the one roof to talk about what the barriers are and what we can all do collectively to improve the safety record, to improve the mental health. So we're going to bring people together for that in a big conference. And that will be something that we will offer free to anybody that wants to attend it. 
I mean, we're not celebrating things because I can't we cannot celebrate why people continue to lose their lives. But we will think about what we can do better. We will continue the education. We'll continue the communications. We're going to look at new audiences. Young farmers, they seem to get it. 44,000 of them follow us on you know, social media. You know, we're training 25,000 of them. But there's there's an industry that has 471,000 people working in it. There's a whole lot of them that we're not getting to. So we're going to try and explore how we can get to them. I think you should celebrate. It's been 10 years. You've achieved an awful lot. I think you deserve a bit of a, a pat on the back and maybe a beer and a, and a, and a pizza or something like that to celebrate. That sounds grand. As long as the, the beer's from the UK, I'm, I'll drink it. This <laughs> is uh, Stephanie. Thanks once again for joining us. We'll we'll talk in a few weeks' time about Mind Your Head, and uh, I'll definitely be there at the conference in May. And more power to your elbow. May your work continue to the point where your work is no longer required. I'll be coming asking you for a job, Steve, hopefully at some stage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephanie. Well, again, Happy New Year and uh, a happy 10th anniversary for the Farm Safety Foundation. Thank you. It's a pleasure as always. One organisation that's not been around for so long is WAG. Nothing to do with footballers' other halves or supplying dog food. It's the Women's Ag Group, a community for women in agriculture. And a year ago, I spoke to mum, wife, part-time shepherd and director Rachel Middleton from the Lincolnshire Wolds for the first time about WAG. And I thought it was about time for a catch-up and an update. Hello, Rachel. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well, Steve. Lovely to speak to you. And it's just under a year since we last spoke and we met to talk about WAG. A year on, how's things going? I'm gobsmacked it's a year. Where's time gone? Yeah, we've got a really, really strong little group going in the Horncastle area and we've had a few trips out to some local events. Uh, obviously, I met you at uh, the fat stock at Layout Livestock Market not so long ago and met some lovely ladies there. So, yeah, we're, we're steadily getting known in amongst the uh, farming community, which is nice. It's slow, but strong. Just for those who don't know anything about it, who maybe weren't listening this time last year, what is WAG? It's an organisation set up for women in farming and rural areas to help find their flock. So for social events, trips out, experiences and support um, for people that share a common interest of the agricultural industry and living in rural communities. Why did you set it up? What kind of need did you feel that there was there to fulfil? I wanted some friends. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Plain and simple. Basically, it's an issue I experienced myself, triggered from um, the pandemic. So I found myself at home looking after our son while my husband went and tended to the farm. Coming out of COVID, realised that I didn't really have a terribly good social life and just found that there were other people there that that wanted similar, that wanted to to meet in person, share experiences and and activities together. Because it's a bit stereotypical, but to to a certain extent it's true of the, the man being the farmer, he's out all day in the fields with the livestock, whatever it may be, and the wife is at home cooking the dinner 
and looking after the kids and so on. I know that's dreadfully stereotypical and not the case in lots of farms, but there is still a certain amount of that, isn't there? I think the the role is quite traditional, as you've explained. Um, but I think the the part that women play in the industry does mean that they are isolated because they man the fort back in like, you know, in the office or doing the the runs to the agricultural merchants. They're looking after the children, they're providing the meals, they're doing the admin. So yes, in a way, but we're not just we're not just for that. It's also for, you know, the women farmers that find themselves manning the fort themselves, people that have small holdings. Basically, anybody that has a connection um, to the industry or that lives in rural areas, which obviously Lincolnshire is a massive, massive county and and very ruralised. But you're not just doing WAG in Lincolnshire. There there was, I seem to remember last year, wanting this to spread wider across the country. Yeah, we've actually got a group up in um, Aberdeenshire, up in Scotland, that's very active. Um, So, yes, my aim is definitely to get this uh, nationwide, because obviously it's not just a Lincolnshire problem. Because I'm obviously based here in Horncastle in Lincolnshire, that's my focus for for the county. But it is definitely um, a nationwide organisation. And what sort of plans have you got at WAG? What sort of events and things are you actually trying to do when you do get together? So the next thing, uh, the next big thing I've got planned in Lincolnshire is uh, we're doing a ladies day, uh, which is going to be um, a day of seminars and demonstrations yet to be confirmed. But I've got very good support from uh, Mason's Rural and the Louth Livestock Market. Uh, which we're planning to hold the event there. So that's going to be a day for ladies to come um, and there's going to be seminars, there's going to be demonstrations, there's going to be trade stands. So they can come and feel confident that they're not going to get ridiculed or feel funny because they're the only woman there because it's just going to be women. <laughs> so that's one one of the days. The next meetup for the Horncastle group is a tear and share bread making event at Hemingby. Um, we've also got felt making in February, and then we're going to plan obviously other events through the uh, through the year once a month for the meetings in the Lincolnshire area. But if anybody's got any suggestions or desires that they would like to do anything, then um, you know just get in touch and we'll see what we can do. Do you have a date yet for the Ladies' Day? Penciled in on the twentieth of March, so I think it's the spring equinox. All right. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit closer to to the event. If somebody's listening to this and thinking, yeah, that all sounds a brilliant idea. Where can I find out more? How can I get in touch? Where should they go? Um, Yeah, so we're either on Facebook, Instagram, and they're both under uh, WAG, which is W-A-G-G, and then UK. There's the um, website, which is wag.org.uk. Um, and you can find us on either of those um, platforms or mediums and contact us through there. All right. Well, a year on, things are going nicely. Let's hope things continue to go even more nicely as we head into 2024. Rachel, thanks for joining us again.
Thank you ever so much, Steve. Lovely to speak to you. Sean Sparley would normally appear at this stage with a look at the crops and some timely agronomy advice. He's enjoying a well-earned break and will be back with us in a couple of weeks. Still to come, the markets, the weather and from the Oxford Farming Conference, apprenticeships in farming, the Environment Secretary and details of a new scholarship programme. The Farming Programme with our equipped steel stockholders with Umbrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years. This week saw the first big farming event of the year, the Oxford Farming Conference, where I met LEAF Chief Exec David Webster. LEAF has just announced a scholarship programme in the name of their legendary former head, the LEAF Caroline Drummond Scholarship for Innovation in Sustainability. David, this really is in tribute to Caroline's vision for integrated farm management. Yeah, that's that's absolutely um, correct, Steve. I think Caroline's legacy was enormous. And I think, it, uh, to be honest with you, I think it's probably only now we're realising just how significant uh, a figure she was in pushing the agenda of farming towards engaging with uh, these sort of structural um environmental issues and you know as i'm talking to you now that i mean the weather outside is is absolutely horrific we don't need anyone to tell us that, that that there are some really significant challenges that we need to face into i think that in the period the shock i suppose after caroline's death there was a very strong feeling from from within the trustees of leaf as a charity and particularly from caroline's friends from seal hayne that we wanted to do something which would build and maintain caroline's legacy into the future and and this scholarship fund is really designed to do that so we're we have secured funding and we're seeking funding to um, support innovative thinking that will help transition the movement of farming and agriculture towards more sustainable farming models at pace and scale and so we're really looking for uh, to fund uh, innovation ideas uh, thoughts that farmers can apply which will have a really significant impact on their ability to promote resilience, to to adapt to a changing climate and to, and to mitigate externalities associated with farming practice. Uh, I think it's a very important moment for LEAF, the announcement of this scholarship, because I think it is, it is recognising that Caroline's vision, you know, sits still at the very core of the organisation. OK, now who's eligible for this? What will they have to do? And what do they get out of it? <laughs> well, that, those are all really good questions. And I, I'm afraid to say I'm going to give you a, a rather weaselly answer, which is that we are coming back with more details at the conference, which takes place on the 1st of February. But the, in terms of eligibility, we want it to be broad. So we don't want to just simply have something which is just purely for people who work, for example, in academia. We want something which embraces ideals, ideas for innovation from the broadest possible subset of the of the farming community. So I can tell you that. And the funding which we've secured and which we're looking to secure is is significant. So it it will enable scholars from whatever background they come from to uh, develop ideas further and with a view that we can uh, look to to try and get those applied within integrated farm management frameworks through LEAF and through other organisations. So we want it to play a significant part in driving this sort of wider global transition towards more sustainable farming practice. Now, when you talk about scholars, and here we are in Oxford for the Oxford Farming Conference, this isn't just aimed at student scholars, though, is it? No, we're thinking much broader than that. And having come into LEAF, I look at the Nuffield uh, Scholarship Programme and the impact that that's had on so many farming businesses. I think we're thinking we want to encourage applications into this fund from 
people who've got a connection to farming, good ideas, thoughtful ideas, which can be developed, which can be pragmatically applied at scale. So I think I'm certainly not excluding academia at all. We would we, we would welcome um, applications from academia, but we don't want to just limit it to that. And it, there are many, many very innovative farm leaders out there currently who will have ideas, I'm sure, that could be developed, which we would be very keen to hear from those those individuals as well as to what they what they think and where, where that funding might might best be applied. Is this going to be a, a one-off thing, David, or is it like to be an annual scholarship? We, we want to develop it into something which will be which will have a perennial commitment, and uh, we're actually looking for funding as well to help us do that. And we've had some enormously strong um, support from many leading farmers and uh, farm business owners who knew Caroline personally and recognised the importance of her work, who have kindly already said that they they're prepared to uh, help us get this set up. But we are looking for expressions of interest from any others who are out there who want to do so. I mean, from from my perspective, I'm very keen that we keep this fund uh, something which is organically driven from within uh, the farming community associated with LEAF and those uh, those sort of organisations around uh, the farming community that want to sort of champion um, Caroline's legacy. So we'd be very keen to hear from anybody who is interested in supporting it. And we want to, we want to ensure that it's, uh, it's something that will uh, continue to grow and develop as the organisation grows and develops. And you say more information coming out at your conference on the 1st of February, but for now, where could we go for a bit more on the um, uh, uh, on the scholarship? The details are on our website now in terms of the headline of what we're seeking to achieve, and, and there's, a, there's a, uh, some d- detail there as well about Caroline and Caroline's background uh, and everything that she did for those those people who are listening who may, may not be aware of the scale of her contribution towards sustainability in farming. Um, as I say, we'll have, we will have more details coming out at the conference. We're aiming to launch this by April this year, so it's coming very soon. Excellent. David, enjoy the rest of the Oxford Farming Conference. I'll let you go off to <laughs> breakfast now. Uh, David <laughs> Webster, Chief Executive Lee, thanks for joining us again on the Farming Programme. Not at all, Steve. It's a a pleasure to speak to you again. That website for more information on the LEAF Caroline Drummond Scholarship for Innovation in Sustainability online at leaf.eco. Her Royal Highness the Princess Royal was at the conference, but she wasn't up for an interview. One man who did want to talk was Environment Secretary Steve Barclay. But being a politician, he didn't actually say much, apart from announcing an uplift to SFI. What we're sort of recognising is as BPS comes down... Uh, there's opportunity with SFI uh, to, given we have the commitment, the 2.4 billion um, commitment in terms of maintaining uh, funding, is to boost the SFI. Uh, and what uh, the purpose of the announcement today is both to make it more beneficial to take part in SFI, uh, SFI uh, to make it easier uh, to find schemes or actions that fit what the different farm businesses want. Uh, but also to look at making it more streamlined in terms of the process of them in order that we drive more uh, applications through the SFI. So we're sending out more details on that uh, online today. But the theme of it is how do we get more money into the scheme? How do we give people more choice through the SFI schemes? And how do we actually make it easier to access them and have a more trusting relationship? A lot of thoughts gone into these schemes. Now it's a question really of turbocharging, but also where there are issues raised. It's it's using our environmental schemes in a way that also links to farm production and farm sustainability. And I think there's a real opportunity there, and that's why it's very much look forward to, to discussions. I think there's a real uh, balance to be struck, um, and I think there's a lot of opportunity for us. 
to take that forward. It was not the best acoustic environment either for talking to Steve. A 10% uplift to SFI payments and a premium for plans that make a, quote, significant difference too. Much more on the detail on next week's farming programme. The Oxford Farming Conference really was an excellent event. Many inspirational speakers, which you'll be able to access very soon at ofc.org.uk. And while I was there, I met Director of External Relations at Lantra, Karina Urquhart, who was speaking about apprenticeships in farming. Traditionally, Karina, a route that's not really been followed, is it? No, it hasn't. And I think there's a a number of reasons for that that our research has drawn out. So um, we spent last summer engaging with over 500 farmers to understand what those barriers are. And probably one of the main ones is actually the apprenticeship landscape is really complicated it's difficult to navigate so I think that is a limitation straight away but it's a risky business taking on an apprentice because generally they are younger people their first job some of them may have no knowledge of farming so actually there's this great deal of risk that comes with taking on an apprentice and whilst farmers believe that the in principle it sounds really good to take on this young dynamic person um, they're a bit loath to make that commitment and the requirement that comes with legal employment because of course an apprentice is a legal employee. Now you said it's, it's a complicated way of doing things in what way what makes it complicated? It's the paperwork. A farmer that we interviewed in our focus group said it's a bureaucratic nightmare. Um, Having looked at all the paperwork that goes with it, I can agree. We're talking about an industry that's dominated by small and micro businesses. They don't simply have the time to go through um, all of the different steps and processes. So Lantra does see that as part of the recommendations from our research, that we have a role in simplifying that. So there's a whole raft of advice from government on government websites about apprenticeships and we're going to take that and distill it into 10 simple steps. Excellent. I mean, that's really, really useful. What are the advantages to a farmer of taking on an apprentice? This is based on the research finance. So as I said, spoke to many farmers and they spoke about the fact that you have somebody who has actively made a decision to come and work in an agricultural environment. Therefore, the commitment is there to work longer hours out in all weathers. Um, it's an extra pair of hands for a business that this may be their first employee. A lot of farmers I spoke to said that young people come with a different perspective, with um, different ideas, particularly on issues such as sustainability. So they can add value and you can imagine like after the apprenticeship that they will you know, continue to add value to the business. And other advantages for the apprentice? There are indeed. I mean, um, more and more we're seeing people come from a non-farming background. Um, So for them to experience the whole world of agriculture, being outside, growing food, rearing animals. For decades now, we've been sending people down the university route. It doesn't suit everybody. Um, So this vocational way to earn while you learn. So they're getting a salary, but at the same time, they're um, learning while they're, they're working. 
What are the steps they need to take? Identify a training provider. That would be if you were a farm business. And we have a whole network of agricultural land-based colleges across the country. So I would say to a farmer, if you go on the Lancashire website, we have an apprenticeship section and it kind of takes you through those steps. But in the next few months, Lancashire is hoping to establish itself as a flexi-job apprenticeship agency. Bit of a mouthful, but basically we want to de-risk the whole process, remove the burden from farmers and actually employ cohorts of apprentices and send them out to different farms to gain experience. Therefore, all that paperwork, we can not eliminate all of it, but we can make a significant reduction. They sound like really, really sensible steps. And where could somebody go for more information? You mentioned the website. Is that the best place to go? It is the best place to go. Yeah, lantra.co.uk. All right, Karina, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. That's Karina Urquhart from Lantra. Lynx FM Farming. Market reports. Starting as usual with livestock and from Mason's Rural at Louth Livestock Market, auctioneer Ed Middleton. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Steve. This week, sheep-only market, we sold 493 head. Starting off with the hogs, a super show of hogs this week for our New Year's Day sale. Trade moved up a gear this week with an SQQ of 273.4 pence per kilo. H. Smith & Son continued their run of market-topping lambs, topping this week at £150. A.J. Colson & Sons of Market Raisin topped the pence per kilo at 311 pence per kilo. Other leading prices on the day were Chamberlain Brothers at 140 and other pens at 139. A Davenport at 135 and 130. W.R. Hansen and Son at 140 and 130. And P.S. Marsden and Son at 142, twice and 141. Moving on to the cull use, another excellent number of use forward this week with an average of £93.17. Quality very mixed, which reflects in this week's average. Best top-end use trading upwards of £150, with mules up to £90. Top price this week goes to A. Pridgen of Skegness at £170. Use overall a very good trade, and many more are needed to meet buying demand. And finally, onto the store lambs. A handy show of store lambs forward this week, topping at £84 for J. Tacey of Louth. Other pens from the same home topped at £65. That concludes this week's market report. We're back business as usual on Monday the 8th of January with the sale of prime and cool cattle and all classes of sheep. I'm Edward Middleton, auctioneer at Louth Livestock Market. Thanks, Ed. And with our first look for 2024 at a quiet grey market, Openfields Kit Dickinson. Morning and Happy New Year, Kit. Well, good morning, Steve, and a very happy new year to you. As we get back to work, we have seen the markets fall slightly due to a lack of direction and many traders still being on holiday. We have seen better weather in South America as the rains come, which is helping the soybean crop. There are still shipping concerns in the Ukraine due to the increased bombings, but the market has chosen to ignore this. The strong dollar has meant US agricultural markets have been unattractive to the foreign buyer, with wheat continuing to take the brunt of it recently. There are world market issues to take into consideration, but at the moment they are not having a positive or indeed a negative impact on wheat prices. Looking closer to home, the weather has been awful and some growers are now drawing a line under any more winter crops. This week we have seen more flooding in Yorkshire, Lincolnshire and Nottinghamshire, which could now mean more spring crops. The question is, what? So looking forward to barley. Old crop barley sales are steady with limited amounts coming to the market in the short term. Premiums are still high for old crop, 
round the £80 mark for the very best samples of barley. But looking forward to new crop is going to be the key. Firstly, how much will be planted and what will this do to the market? What will the market be like? Will we have an abundance or will we have a small crop? How much barley will be available? How much barley will make the molten grade? All of these things are unknowns which will, in the future, have an effect on the market. Locking in a good premium for a new crop may be advisable if you are confident about your quality going forward. Looking at Orseed Rape, it is the same old story with Orseed Rape as it continues to trade around the £350 mark for the nearby, with limited interest and drive to go any higher. It is likely that the South American soybean crop will be the next driving factor. Prices this week, wheat January 175 to 186, March 180 to 190, May 184 to 194 and looking at November new crop 196 to 206. Milling wheat premiums are circa £60. Feed barley for January 150 to 158, March 151 to 161, May 153 to 163 and November new crop 165 to 175. Oil seed rate January 340 to 350, March 344 to 354 and May 348 to 358. Thanks, Kit. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. High pressure this week, bringing, thankfully, a dry, calm but colder week. Winds will be mostly from the north, but barely getting into double-figures MPH. Hardly any rain, a daytime highs of 5 or 6 Celsius, and overnights dropping down to freezing points. Next week, all you need to know about the changes to SFI, and we'll look ahead to Lama. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.